0: Hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast. Yes, we have a new show with new episodes. The format of the show is a little bit different. It is broken up into three parts. The first part, moments of awe, where I share actionable tips, strategies and coaching models that you can implement in your daily life for massive improvements. And a new part of the show tips from my pen where I share my insights from my morning pages and last but not least purposeful conversations with our Radical Shifts series where we have honest chats with change instigators, compelling creators and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure and how to inject more meaning, connection and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. I have a very special guest for you, Dr. Bruce Lipton, a stem cell biologist and best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, and The Honeymoon Effect, served as Associate Professor of Anatomy in the School of Medicine at the University of Wisconsin. In the medical curriculum, Bruce lectured in cell biology, histology, and embryology, His pioneering research on cloned human stem cells presaged today's revolutionary new field of epigenetics. Dr. Lipton later served as a research fellow in the Department of Pathology in Stanford University School of Medicine. Groundbreaking research at Stanford revealed the nature of the biochemical pathways by which the mind, perceptions and belief control our behavior and genetic activity. In addition to being listed in the top 100 of the world's most spiritual influential living people by United Kingdom's Watkins Journal, Bruce received the 2009 prestigious GOI Peace Award in honor of his scientific contribution to the world of harmony. Bruce is one super amazing individual with an abundance of energy, so strap yourself in for this empowering interview. Enjoy. So welcome to Radical Shifts. We have, I know I'm going to call you Bruce, but we do have Dr. Bruce Lipton on the show, which I am super, super excited. I'm a massive fan of uh, Bruce. And how are you in sunny California?
1: I am a happy, happy human person, and uh, I've been this way now for 20 years, uh, and all of it is because the first, well, 45, 50 years was not the same as the last 20 or so years, so uh, I have two lives, and this part is the happy life.
0: You're always happy. I've seen quite a few interviews. You're always happy. You're always bubbly. You're always. Are you always like that? pretty much you know it's funny
1: because i if historically you would catch me 30 or more years ago you say well bruce uh, you, you seem to be like a, a manic depressive you know you got your happy period and then you got your really down period and all that nice the beautiful part is i resolved the issue got rid of the depressive part now i'm just manic the whole time but enjoying it
0: you know and i really believe that's a choice isn't it it no, is a choice.
1: Everything is a choice. Yeah. Everything. But people don't know that life is based on choice. They, they've given up power over their lives. They put it into other things such as genes and stuff like that. It's like outside of you. And it's like, no, this, this new insight, this new biology reverses the whole thing and says, you are a creator. You are part of the divine, you are a piece of God, and you are creating this world in association with all those around you, a cooperation of creation. But the fact is, our personal creation regarding our individual life and what we get and that joy or sadness or sickness and health, that is not a random event that is not controlled from outside, but it's an inside job.
0: Mm, and that, and that's, that can be quite difficult living in that very fast-paced environment or life that we live in. We are constantly interrupted by technology. And how does one remain conscious all the time? I mean, I find that difficult myself.
1: A very difficult. So I don't. <laughs> and they say, well, then how can you have the, you know, keep this conscious life that you have going, the one that you choose versus the programming? And the answer is rewriting the program. Uh, that fact that we've all been programmed is a scientific reality. It's interesting because so many people have seen the movie, the matrix and, and I think, oh, it's a science fiction movie. I go, no, no. Matrix is a documentary. Every one of us has been programmed. That's a natural part of the first seven years of a child's life is downloading programs. We can talk about that a little bit, but what's interesting about it is I said, well, what was interesting about the matrix and the matrix said, um, uh, we've been programmed and they offered something called the red pill. And they said, if you take the red pill, you get out of the program. And it didn't really dive into. So what would life be like if you didn't get in, if you didn't have this program? And the answer is what's real interesting is like the movie, the matrix. Yes, we've all been programmed and like the movie, the matrix, there was a time in most of our lives, most of us where we took the red pill and we didn't even know it. And our lives changed so dramatically. And we, it's still—it's just like a history. What was that? And I say, science is recognized when we fall deeply in love with somebody. When we first fall in love, that first love is the equivalent of a red pill because it switches the control of our lives from the programs that we got into the creative capabilities of the conscious mind, and uh, and so. A person, let's just say they're 30 years old, and they review their life. In 30 years, it's like, "Eh, that's a great, it sucks, it's bad. eh." And then they meet somebody. And 24 hours later, in deep love, they're going, wow, life is beautiful. It's heaven on earth. Look how I love my life. Oh, this food is so much better than it ever was, and music is better, and I'm so in love, and life is heaven on earth. I go, wait a minute. 24 hours earlier, and for 30 years, life wasn't that at all. And then 24 hours later, it's heaven on earth. What happened? And the answer is, from a scientific perspective, we took the red pill falling in love was a red pill and once we fell in love we disconnected from the programming that runs our lives and started being creative programmers rather than using existing programs and with creativity unfolds the experiences of a honeymoon all that joy and love and energy and all that wonderful stuff was not an accident it was a manifestation, a creation, and, and then everyone goes, oh, that was so great, and then it ran away, and then life returned back to, ah, that's the way it was. And I go, well, what happened? I say, at one point, um, the red pill wears off, and, and then you go right back to life again, and the idea is, can you keep the red pill going? And the answer is, yes, you can have a honeymoon every day of your life for as long as you live, but the idea is... Like taking the red pill, you can either take the red pill or there's a point where we can talk about, you can rewrite the program and create a program of love and joy and health and happiness and anything you want. You are programming, but you have to understand you've been programmed. And most people have no idea of that. So the result is they look at their life and when things don't work right, it's like, oh, the outside, the universe is not. They did this to me. And it's like, no. When you get the picture, we created the positive things and we created the negative things. And if you understand the nature of the creation, knowledge is power, Mm. right? If you get the knowledge of your creative ability, then you can use that in a positive way to create what you want. If you have no knowledge, A, that you've been programmed, uh, and B, that you can change your life, then you look at your life as a whole series of victimizations. Things happen to me. This person did that, and that person did that, and the world didn't give me this. And it's like, oh, my God. If you perceive yourself as a victim, then you can't get out of the hole because the victimization is a belief that you will manifest Mm -hmm. until you change the belief that I'm not a victim, I'm a master. And all of a sudden, oh, then I started producing from mastery. The whole life changes.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's uh, interesting. And I truly, truly believe that. When, I'm, uh, when things in my environment uh, are not going right, I actually look, what is it that I'm thinking? What is it that I'm feeling to produce what's presenting on the outside? But what I'm really fascinated with is the red pill. How does one attain that? that uh, from the red pill to me, it's just pure love pure consciousness but how do we maintain pure love and pure consciousness is that focusing on everything that we do with our heart is it about doing the things that we love i mean how does one remain in that state
1: well first of all we have to recognize just a broad statement we can go into the biology of it if necessary but the simple reality is our mind is controlling our reality And when people say the mind, they're really missing a very important fact. There are two minds that make up the mind. There's the conscious mind, which is the creative mind, which is the one where your identity is. Your spiritual base is in the conscious mind. It's actually a brain lobe right behind your forehead called the prefrontal cortex. The rest of the brain was there before the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal cortex is the conscious mind. The previous mind, the 90% behind, was the subconscious mind. I say, well, what's the difference? I say, that's important question. Because if you think they're the same, then you're in a lot of trouble, and that's where the issues come from. There are two minds, conscious and subconscious. Conscious is connected to you. That makes you unique. Subconscious has a different function. So let's start with functions first, and then we'll talk about learning. Because when we talk about learning, you have to understand how come – one mind, the conscious mind is so capable of learning all this wonderful world stuff and the subconscious mind seems not to take it up. And then it's like, my, my my conscious mind's really smart, but my subconscious is running the same old show. So we have to understand the nature of programming. So first, let's understand the nature of what the two minds are about. The conscious mind, by definition, is creative. And I say creative, I say what's relevant. And as, and as we just talked about, I can create my life. So I say, oh. What do you want from your life? I go, the wishes and desires and aspirations, the things we want. These are from the conscious mind. They're creating a future. See, conscious mind can can look backwards and, oh, I remember that, or here's what's happening right now, or uh, what's going to happen in the future. Conscious mind can travel all over the place. But when it moves into the future, it's it's manifesting things that don't exist. So by de- definition, that's called creative. What do you want in the future? Ah, well, that's your wishes and desires. I want to be healthy, I want to have great romance, Uh, I want a wonderful job. I say, these are great wishes and great desires. I say, okay, so that's the function of the conscious mind to manifest those. But the issue is, what's the subconscious mind? I go, ah, the subconscious mind does not travel in time. Subconscious mind is always in the present moment. It doesn't know time. And what does it know? Habits. Mm -hmm. Habits, yeah. What did you learn how to do? Because once you learn how to do it, you don't have to relearn how to do it. And it's a wonderful mind. Uh, People always think, oh, the subconscious mind where all the evil crap comes from. And I go, wait a minute. First recognize this. When did you learn how to walk? Oh, before two. Did you ever have to learn how to walk again? No. Well, thank you, subconscious mind. Because once I learn how to do something and it's very useful, I don't have to relearn it every day. So uh, the subconscious mind is great. It it takes away the necessity of relearning every day the thing. Like I learned how to walk yesterday, and I forgot when I woke up this morning, so I got to relearn again today, and then I'll relearn tomorrow. I say, no, subconscious mind, I learned once. It's in the machine. I want to walk, push the button, play the program, boom. So two minds, creative, conscious mind, habit, habitual, subconscious mind. Conscious mind can think to the past, be in the present and move to the future. Subconscious mind has no time. It knows now. So I say to you, Catherine, uh, when did you learn how to speak? And your subconscious mind goes, today. Because it doesn't know there was a history. It's just, no, I know now. I, I don't know, I know now. So the subconscious mind, whatever you learned, I don't care if it's 30, 40, 50 years ago, in the subconscious mind, that just happened. You've been injured by somebody and emotionally, it's still there. It's, it doesn't know how many years ago and says, oh, the subconscious mind doesn't go, oh, that happened 30 years ago, so let's discount it. Subconscious mind just has a memory 30 years ago, but it doesn't know it was 30 years ago. All it says is, this is what happened. When? Don't ask the subconscious mind. It doesn't have a date, Okay. So we're back. Two minds controlling life. Conscious, creative, timeless, travel mind. Okay? Uh, Subconscious. Habit. That's all it knows, how to habit. How'd you do it? Learn it. Now it's a habit. Very useful. Problem. If you have a misperception and learn a bad habit, it restores that one just as much as a good habit. It doesn't, it has no quality control. It says, oh, this is a bad habit. We're not going to do that. If it's a habit, it's a habit. It's in the machine. So, a stimulus response. A stimulus is a signal, information from the environment that pushes a button in the subconscious. Boom, we play automatically a behavior. Good or bad? Consci- the subconscious mind is not a mind that decisions are made as to good or bad. It just records what the, it experienced. Okay? A bad experience is recorded just the same as a good experience, but a bad experience leads to a different behavioral outcome than a good experience has a completely different behavioral outcome, okay? So the idea is one is habit, one is creative, and they learn in different ways, so let's just put that in right now because this is big time. The conscious mind being creative, I said, well, how can a conscious mind learn? I said, it's creative. It can learn in any different number of ways. Uh, listening to, to this broadcast that we're involved with, that's a good learning experience, okay? Uh, going to a, a, a lecture, reading a self-help book, uh, just, aha! Subconscious mind can change itself. It's creative. It can do anything. That's the beautiful part about it. That's what makes humans so powerful. We can create, okay? I said, what about subconscious mind? I go, not creative. And I said, well, why is that important? Because I said it doesn't learn in the same way. So the idea is if you have a program in your subconscious mind, you want to change the program, you can't just suggest to the subconscious mind, hey, I got a different idea. Let's do a different program. That's not how it learns. It learns uh, in two fundamental ways. The first seven years of your life, the subconscious mind was in hypnosis. You learned by just watching people. You learn how to behave by watching your mother, your father, your siblings, and your community. I say, why is it important? I say, look, when you're born, you have to be a member of a community. And the community has rules. <laughs> I say, you just can't take some outside person, and drop them in the community, and figure that they can just fit in. So I said, Well, you have to learn the rules. I said, Well, how many how many rules do you think we need to be a member of a family in a community? And all of a sudden it's like thousands of rules. So I say, so teach an infant thousands of rules. Give him a book, and it's like, well, I can't read, so forget that part. That's not going to help. Talk to him. Yeah, how many hours are you going to be like a teacher? Sit down in front and talk to them. It's like, that's not going to work either. Nature makes it easy. Nature says, look, you don't have to make an effort to teach the kid, because what I'll do is for the first seven years, put the brain in a state of hypnosis called theta, a vibration in EEG, frequencies of the brain. I say why is important the first seven years the child learns behavior and the rules by watching those that already engaged your mother your father your siblings in the community so you want to learn the rules watch them so the first seven years is download hypnosis so learns by hypnosis I say yeah but what about after seven you learn new things then I go yeah but how do you do it then I say oh repetition when you were learning the alphabet a b c and then oh d e okay a b c d e oh f g a b c d e and you learn it piece by piece and then you get the z guess what you learned it it's a habit you repeated it let's just summarize where we are we have two minds creative conscious mind programmable subconscious mind The issue that we have to deal with that people need to learn about is a simple issue, and that is this. The conscious mind, as I said, can move in time, but it could also go inside and think. So uh, I say, Catherine, what are you doing on Sunday at 2 o'clock? If you're going to answer that question, it's inside. So the conscious mind, instead of looking outside, starts to look inside to go for an answer. I say, yeah, but if the conscious mind is controlling, let's say you're walking down the street and you're walking down the street consciously, and then you have a thought, and I say, the conscious mind let go. It's inside. I say, well, you're still walking down the street, so who's controlling that? And I go, this is, the, this is the critical part right here. The subconscious is the autopilot. Whatever you're doing, a job, driving a car, walking, talking to somebody, these are things you know how to do, so they're habits. So the idea is this, if the conscious mind is driving the car, the vehicle, the body, it takes it where it wants to go, creative, wishes and desires. That's why when you fall in love, all of a sudden the conscious mind says, oh, let's create love and happiness and honeymoon, and boom, your life is that way. But the moment you start thinking, and the conscious mind lets go, then who's, who's running a show? And the answer is, well, the subconscious knows how to do everything. But the problem is this, The fundamental programs in the subconscious did not come from you. They were copied from other people. So when you switch to the subconscious, the behavior that comes out is not necessarily behavior that you want. It's behavior you got programmed with by your parents and your other people. And and psychologists tell us 70% of those programs are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and very limiting. So as long as you're playing subconscious programs, you are at a disadvantage because the programs are gonna take away your power and your energy and everything you want. And then you say, but I would I would see if I was doing the, you know, damaging my own life. I say, no, no, you won't. You know why? Because your conscious mind's not paying attention anymore. Now your conscious mind is thinking. So whatever behavior is coming out is playing without you seeing it. So I, I give this, this story in all of my lectures, and I give it because everyone laughs, which basically means everyone understands the story, and the story is profound. So let's just go over the story. And here's what I say. I would guess that sometime in your growing up period, you had a friend, and you were very close to your friend. You knew your friend's behavior very, very, very well. And you happen to know your friend's parent. And one day you see that your friend has the exact same behavior as their parent. Uh, this excites you. So you can't wait. You go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then you back away from Bill. Bill goes totally ballistic. How can you compare me to my dad? I'm not like my dad. And they and, and will argue until they're blue in the face. He's not like his dad. But everybody else can see that Bill was like his dad. How come Bill can't see it? The answer was like we said. Because when Bill is thinking, he's not observing the automatic behavior which he got from his father. And so when he's thinking, 95% of the day, that's the number. That means 95% of the day, your behavior is controlled by subconscious programs that you got from other people, and that most of them are disempowering and sabotaging. And you, like Bill, or the one that can't see it, because the reason you're playing the program is that your conscious mind was busy. And sometimes, just sometimes, you can catch the program as it's playing, and it's embarrassing as hell, because you say, oh, my God, I was just like my mother. Oh, my God, I was just like my father. And you can see it sometimes, but that's the rare event. Most of the time, it's playing like that, all the time. And you're the one that doesn't see it. And I say, well, why is it relevant? If you, if you are playing a behavior that you can't see, that you are playing, and that behavior is a negative or sabotaging behavior, and it interferes with your life. You, as the viewer of your life, is going, "Wow, what happened? Uh, my life is falling apart. Things aren't working right. I'm not healthy. What's going on?" And you're looking outside trying to say, "What happened out there?" That caused a problem. It's like, "Oh my God, you didn't realize, like Bill. You were creating a problem the whole time, but you're the only one that doesn't see it. And when this becomes recognized that this is a way of life, then the idea of being a victim and blaming other people in other situations for your failure, you realize that's not, that's not valid. I did this. And then you can take personal responsibility. If you have knowledge of it and you take personal responsibility, then guess what? Your creation is now under your control. But if you don't see that you're involved with this and the thing is unfolding and I'm a victim, then it's like, oh, helpless me. Things happened to me. I didn't do it. It just happened to me. I'm a victim. It's like, no, you are creating, but you don't see 95% of your creation is automatic behavior. And that behavior isn't even yours. It's from other people. They don't answer your wishes and your desires, so when you're playing their behavior, you're not going to where you want to go. You're going to go where they went. And if they have illness, and like cancer, you get a cancer not because of bad cancer genes. You primar- Less than 10% of cancer is connected to the genes. 90% of cancer is behavior that is not in harmony with, with health. It's behavior that, that compromises your health. And, and therefore, why is it important? Well, if 90% of cancer is due to environment and the way you behave, well, those are things you can control. And if you can control those, then guess what? You can eliminate a cancer and never get a cancer if it comes down to it. When you start to recognize that's not what you want in your life, and you create a behavior that will stop that from happening. But uh, just to give you a point, uh, when a child, a baby, is adopted into a family where there's cancer running in the family, the baby will get the same family cancer, but the baby came from totally different genetics. So the cancer wasn't the genetics. The cancer was behavior that that causes a breakdown of the system, a stress on the system. And then we see the consequence in the body, but that was a reflection of the behavior That we were engaging in and all of a sudden says well you change behavior then you can change the illness i go you've ever heard of spontaneous remission a person is terminally ill everybody says they're gonna die they think they're gonna die and all of a sudden something happens and the cancer they just are healthy it's like spontaneous i said what happened in every car every case as far as we know what happened was they had a profound change of belief about life and change the way they responded to life, got rid of the stresses that were causing the problem or the issues that were causing uh, the system not to be in harmony. And once those issues were cleared up and harmony was back, then the cells went back to harmony. So you could be dying of cancer, but if you change the way you respond to life, you can actually cause that cancer to disappear spontaneously and, and come back. A, a dear friend of mine wrote a book, and it people hadn't read this book this is to me, this is the book. It's called, um, let's say it's Anita more Uh, and, um, ha! Anita, she's a friend of mine. What's her book's name? Anita more Uh, she, she, she was the one, she had cancer for four years. And in the last week of her life, she was on machines. She was so emaciated that the cancer lumps were sticking out of her body. And on the last, day that was supposed to be right near the end she went into a coma her oncologist called her family and said come on in she she's on her way out this is the last phase of of cancer patient four years she's down to this now she had an out of body experience okay and in that out of body experience she went off left her body and but then came in contact with the energy the spirits of her father and people she knew and through conversations she realized that the illnesses that she had were because of the uh, disharmony in her life uh, the fears the the anxieties that were produced by she was a a girl that grew up in an Indian family uh, East Indian family and girls are supposed to be married and that's it but she had a career and and then her parents arranged a marriage like they all do and and she You know, I'm an independent woman. I'm going to have my my career and cancel the marriage, upset the whole family, psychologically, emotionally and everything. The exhaust, the gassing that came off of that was she ended up getting sick because of the stresses of the disharmony that just resulted, got the cancer, out of body, communicated with her father and cleared, oh, everything is okay. And... Uh, and she, as a lot of people that have out of body experiences uh, um, ha- have, uh, she was given an opportunity. You want to go back, or you want to stay here? She was like, "Who the heck wants to go to back? That body is 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 dy- dying on that bed right there. Uh, it's all emaciated. I, mean, well, I don't want to go back." But her husband Danny, who had dedicated the last two years of his life just to take care of her every day, was sitting there holding her hand, and she saw that and she said, if I don't go back, Danny's gonna get sick. So she said, I'm gonna go back. And guess what? She came back, she woke up, everybody was like, wow, surprise, she came out of the coma. The bigger surprise was she was virtually instantaneously healed. Now she was on these machines and they took the machines off because she didn't need them anymore. And, uh, and within two weeks or so, they were looking and virtually all of the cancer was gone. And then about two or three more weeks later, they kept looking, and she said, there's no more cancer in there. They said, it's in here. We're going to find it. And she said, it's not. Well, that was years ago. She has no cancer. And she came back from, she was on a machine. She had so much cancer, it was sticking out of her body. So it's not like, oh, that was a misdiagnosis. That was no misdiagnosis. She was terminal, gone, had an awakening about her how her beliefs were affecting her came back into the body and essentially was instantaneously healed by changing those beliefs. Now, dying to be me, the name of the book, Anita Morjani, is an important book for me because it reflects what, um, everything I write in the biology of belief. So for me, it was like, Oh, Anita is the poster child of the biology of belief. Why? Here's a woman who is dead according to her oncologist had a change of belief, came back into the body, and healed virtually instantaneously from something that no one is supposed to be able to do. And how does she do it? Just changing her understanding of the nature of life. It was that misunderstanding that gave her the cancer. And it was a correction of that programming that took away the cancer. And what I'm going to leave you with right now on that point is simple. The illnesses, the problems that we face in life, the upheavals that seem to happen to us from nowhere. We've always said that, oh, that's not me. It's happening from outside. The new story is no, there is no outside to that. We are creating. And as a creator, your program is the destiny. If you don't control your program, your program controls you. And if you understand that we've all been programmed, like we talked about for the first seven years, then for the average person, they're not living their life. They're living a program. And it's like the matrix. You're caught in a program. It's just going to play itself out until the day you take that red pill, the day you wake up and say, I I don't want this program. I'm going to rewrite the program. I can change the program. And, and once I change the program, I have my power back. And I go, oh, so all of us out here are, are walking around uh, like Bill, behaving and not seeing what we're doing, sabotaging ourselves 70% of the time because of those programs, not aware that we are involved, so only perceiving we are victims, and walking around feeling very powerless. Look at my life. Things happen to me. And I go, when you understand that you are the creator, the game shifts around, because now it's a choice. Do you want this or do you want that? That's choice, pick the one you want. Make a program and make that what you want, not the program that you have. Now it comes just to help people. Everybody, as I said, has been programmed up to age seven. That's a functional situation of the nervous system and its development. First seven years, primarily theta, imagination for kids but also hypnosis download programs Uh, to get to give you why this is so critical i give a story also that i give in my lecture uh i go to the apple store and buy a brand new ipod okay spend a lot of bucks get outside the store open up the box take the ipod out and on the front of the iPod is something called the touch screen, which you touch and you can select what songs you want to play and select the volume and adjust the EQ and fast forward. You can control it. That's creative. Which I what kind of playlist you want? Creative. I I touch the touch screen and I create. The touch screen is like the conscious mind. It's very creative. Okay. But here's the point: I buy the brand new iPod, walk out of the store, open the box, touch the screen, say play. Nothing happens. And now I'm frustrated. I just spent all the money on the damn iPod I just bought. It doesn't play anything. I push play, nothing plays. And a a little kid next to me looks up at me at the old guy and goes, hey, mister, if you didn't download any music, you can't play any music. The memory in the iPod is the equivalent of subconscious. So in other words, if a, a child was born conscious, it'd be like the iPod. I'm conscious, but what can I think about? I have no data. I got nothing to think about. Oh, first seven years, download. Then when you become seven years old, you get to use the touchscreen and you can create from your learning that you have and then unfold your life, okay? So the idea is this. In order for you to use consciousness, first you have to have programs in subconsciousness, and those programs don't come from you. As I said, they're downloaded by observing others. Then, when you're seven and you engage the program, you're still not engaging way you want. You're only engaging the way life was programmed. So, there's a point that says, "Does that mean I'm a victim of my programs?" I said, "Yes, it does." But then here's the other question you should ask: Can I change the program? I go, "Yes, you can." And the moment you recognize that, it's like. Freedom. I have freedom to create different than what has been happening. And I go, well, that is great. Now comes the problem. As I said, the two minds have different functions. Conscious mind's creative. Subconscious mind's habitual. But I also said they learn in different ways. Conscious mind is creative. Any way I can put an idea in, the conscious mind can accept But the subconscious mind being habitual says the only way you can change the program is the way the subconscious mind learns. So there's two fundamental ways, hypnosis, first seven years, repetition, after seven. And therefore you want to learn how to drive, you got to practice how to drive. You want to learn how to do the alphabet, you got to practice how to do that. You want to be healthy, ah, then you got to practice a program that encourages health. And so I go, well, what does that mean? So uh, I'll give you a simple example. I said there are two ways, hypnosis and repetition. And one of the ways I really love it because there's a phrase called fake it till you make it. And basically it says, let's say I'm an unhappy person. And every day I get up and it's like, I'm miserable. And then one day I get up, I say, look, I am happy. And you look out and your mind that's intelligent goes, you don't look happy. But you say, no, I am happy. And you say it like repetition during the day, I am happy, I am happy. And I say, well, what's going on? Repetition will ultimately take that statement and make it a subconscious program. So if you repeat it, you're faking it, you're not happy, but you keep repeating it for a period of time, then the subconscious through repetition will make a habit of happy. And there'll be a day where you'll wake up and you'll be happy and you didn't even say I'm happy. Why? Because the subconscious mind is programming you. So when you wake up your subconscious mind go, we're happy. It's like, then you are. So the reality was what? I can change the program and I can change my entire life. I just have to know what the programs are. And I go, okay, now we're gonna save a lot of time and a lot of tears and a lot of Kleenex because so many people go to a psychoanalysis and they go, "Okay, tell me the story." It's like, "Oh my dad, did this. Oh, My mom did that? My best friend did that?" Everybody crying, crying, repeating the story. I go, "You're repeating the story. What do you think the response is? The same anxiety, pain, and what you got from the first time is now back again because you're repeating the story." So I say, "You don't have to repeat the story to know what the program is." You say, "Yeah, but." I was programmed before seven. I was programmed when I was zero. I was programmed when I was one, two. And I I have no knowledge of the program. I wasn't even conscious. So I have no idea what the hell the programs are. And I go, 95% of your life is coming from the program. So think about it this way. Your life is a printout of your subconscious programs. And then it gets simple because all I say then is, all the things you like that come into your life that show up. Oh, yeah, I like this and here. Look, I get it comes out like, like they show up because you have a program that supports them being there. But here's the one I need you to know. Anything you're struggling with that you want, love, health, money, whatever it is. If you're struggling and you're not getting there and you're putting a lot of effort in. I'm working so hard to become healthy. I'm working so hard to find a relationship. I'm struggling, I'm working, I'm sweating. I said, wait a minute, you put a lot of effort in and it's not working. I said, what do you think the problem is? And here's the answer. Inevitably, the subconscious does not support that in your life and your efforts to work hard are to override the programming that's going 95% of the day. So all of a sudden they say, oh, well, then you don't have to go back and say who caused the program or what event and why this person that that's killing the messenger over the message. You're more concerned about what message in my program get, not who put the message in. So I don't care who caused it. I want to know what the message is. I say, oh, well, you can know what that is. Look at your life. Your life is a printout of the message. So basically. If your life isn't working right, it's not because you don't deserve and you can't have. It's because there is a program, a belief about yourself that you acquired in the early part of your life. And this belief is antagonistic. It won't support what you want because the belief doesn't support it. So the reality is this. You work really hard to make the belief real. And the subconscious makes a lot of effort to make sure that the original belief is going to stay in there. And even if you your conscious mind wants a different one, nope. subconscious mind holds on. A habit does not want to change. And it's important if it's a good habit. It sure as heck, you don't want to change it. You learned how to walk. Do you think you need to have to relearn that every now and then? Ah, uh-uh, it's a good habit. Keep that one. Bad habit. I keep screwing up in relationships. You want to change that one? Yeah, that one I want to change. So all of a sudden I say, the good ones, I'm not bothered with. The ones I want to change, I'm not going to look at the universe and say, universe, you bring to me what I'm looking for. I go inside my head and say, whatever program I'm having right now does not bring that into my life. And to bring it in my life, not to ask the universe, but to go and change the program. They say, what should I change? I say, you already know what you want to change because – Whatever it is you've been seeking, that's the destination. So you want your program to be the destination. You're seeking health, then the program is I am healthy. You're seeking love. I am a wonderful relationship partner for, for whoever. I am a partner. I, I deserve love. And you say that, and that program works, and then all of a sudden somebody offers you love, and you're ready because you deserve it. But most of us do not believe we deserve love and as a topic, and I know we talk about so many things, but that to me is interesting only because when I get involved with programs where belief change is part of the program, teaching belief change, one of the first things that we ask an an audience just every time, like fresh audience, let's check a belief. I say, the first belief I want you to check is, I love myself. Oh, 80 to 90% of every audience will not test positive to I love myself. I go, why? Because when we were kids, the way our parents got us to get in line was to criticize us. Ah, That's not good enough. Who do you think you are? You're not that smart. You're not that pretty. You're not this or that. You don't deserve this. I go, whoa. I say, if that's the program, then... Put that in your mind. And I don't care if you got it when you're five years old. The subconscious mind just, right now. It doesn't know it was when you were five. It just knows right now I do not deserve. And I say, well, then what does that mean? I say someone wants to help you, give you or something, and you will unconsciously push it away unconsciously because your mind says, I don't deserve so I can't have that. And since the subconscious is running the show, if it doesn't believe it deserves it, then you're never going to find it. And the issue is most of us, as I said, the vast majority, 80 to 90 percent, will not test positive for I love myself because of the critical nature that uh, the parents treated them uh, when they were in the first seven years. I say, and why is that? Above everything else, that is the biggest problem of all problems, problems of health, problems of relationship, problems of success on a job all of that why if you don't love yourself then how can you give yourself these wonderful things cuz you are not deserving that's what not loving yourself means and unconsciously 80% or more of everyone out there has a belief in their subconscious mind from the first 7 years the way they were being criticized they criticize themselves now why it's built into the program i criticize it. i'm not deserving i'm not lovable i'm not good enough it's like I'm not saying that in my conscious mind, that's the record in the habit. And so you want to change your life, don't look for the outside and say, outside, change the life for me. You want to change your life if you start on the inside and say, what belief is preventing me from acquiring what I seek? And if you change the belief, then what you seek will be in your face. It will come right to you.
0: Oh, it's so true. I can relate to everything you are saying because, and it's one of those things that's only come to light this year. And I always talk about the inner critic, the inner child. And it was uh, one of the things that came to light for me this year was every time something good would take place, like my relationship would come to a place of, um, you know, love and caring, or even, even in my career, I would sabotage it but I only just recognize this pattern now. And so yes. the, these are, these, like you are saying, these subconscious programs. And the thing is, for me, it's to be conscious. So if you're saying that 95% of our subconscious program is basically who we are and how we show up, which means then we only have the capacity at the moment of 5% of the conscious mind.
1: Not the capacity, we're exercising, exercising. 5%. Okay. And I say, w- w- you know, we mentioned that it's like the matrix. Everybody got programmed. Then there's the red pill and the red pill it, it gets you out of the program. And then I mentioned you can actually, when you get out of the program by falling in love, where that honeymoon shows up, what that actually means is you didn't, re, you know, default to the subconscious for a period of time. And therefore, the behavior that you're playing has nothing to do with those programs that you got from your parents and your family that limited you. Now you're playing conscious with, oh, I want mm-hmm. this love and happy and joy and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I go, ah, oh, well, that's the brain part that's controlling your life. That's what you manifest. And, and the honeymoon starts out and it's beautiful like that. But then, you know, and then the honeymoon disappears. I go, well, why did it disappear? It was really cool. I go, because the reason why you had it is you were no longer thinking. You were just behaving, you Mm -hmm. know, live behavior controlled by conscious mind. But there's a point where no matter how much you're in love, you still thinking comes back in. I mean, I have a job. It's like, oh, what the hell I got to do with my job? Oh, I got to fix a car. Oh, I have these chores. I'm thinking. I say, well, the moment I'm thinking, that returns me right back to default control by subconscious so when i started my relationship with this other person i didn't play any of the bad programs that i got from my parents why i wasn't playing to any more tapes i was playing conscious wishes that's why it worked but once down the road if i start thinking again all of a sudden this wonderful relationship, we have this great, wonderful relationship and everything. And then let's say my partner, Margaret, comes up to me, and I happen to be thinking at that moment about my job. And she asks me a nice little question. It was like, well, we've been in love, everything's question. And I turn around and go, blah, blah, blah. She looks at me in shock and goes, who are you? Where did that come from? Now you have to recognize here, let's unfold it because this is a great example. And I go like this first of all she asked me a question and the answer did not come from my conscious mind Mike my conscious mind was thinking about the job so my default subconscious took over I go yeah yeah but whose behaviors in there I go oh my father's he wasn't that that sweet to my mom (laughs) you know and all of a sudden I said oh my god when she asked me that question My conscious mind did not answer it because it was busy. My subconscious answered it, but it used the behavior of my father. And then go back to the story of Bill, is that I didn't even see what I just said. So Margaret looks at me and goes, what kind of behavior is that? Who are you? I'm going in my mind going, what's she talking about? Because I'm the one who didn't even see what I just said so i'm I'm not sure what the, she's way off base, you know, and then now, now we're in an argument. I don't know what you're talking about you're crazy, and then back and forth, and the whole idea was what the behavior I provided in response wasn't me, and I'm the one that didn't see it because my conscious mind was busy, and that's why I played my father's behavior, and she saw the behavior but thought that came from my conscious mind, me, and not recognizing you no know, I have a subconscious mind and a conscious mind, and what you saw was unfortunately the behavior of the subconscious mind, which is negative 70%. And that's not helping us. So I say, well, geez, that's when the honeymoon falls apart is because the beliefs that you didn't play in the first part of your romance, your honeymoon, and you didn't play these beliefs because your conscious mind was now in control. But these beliefs, which are a lot of negative ones, didn't show up until some period of time after the relationship was already off the ground. Now your partner looks and goes, geez, uh, that behavior may not be that good. I mean, if, if I would have played one of those negative behaviors on the first date, I probably wouldn't have a second date. OK, but I didn't play him. But now we've had this wonderful love experience, honeymoon, and I play this crappy behavior. Well, it's her decision at this moment. Do I want to stay in this relationship with this crappy behavior or what? And she looks and she goes. Well, the rest of it's pretty good. Just this piece isn't so good. So I compromise. That's the bad word comes in. Compromise. Okay, every now and then Bruce is a jerk. So that's like that. So well, I can live with that. But the next time a new bad behavior shows up, she has to come in the same place. Gee, that, that, that's not really why I joined a relationship. But again, okay, it only comes out rarely. So when it does, i compromise. But there's a point when a number of these bad beliefs show up and the partner says, oh, that's too many. It's over with. Relationship's done. I can't deal with this anymore. The amazing part is the individuals in the relationship go, how did something that was so beautiful, honeymoon, heaven on earth, end up so tragically? And the reason is because neither participant ever saw their own contribution from the subconscious. That was sabotaging. So it wasn't from me. It was my partner was the problem. Why? I'm a wonderful guy. That I always. That's conscious mind talking to itself. But it's not subconscious program. So our lives are split into the part you control by the conscious mind is what you control and you create from, and the part that you lead to the subconscious mind to be autopilot for because then you've lost the control because now the control is whatever the program. Is okay, and since the program is 95% of the time, then your life is really so little of it created by your wishes and desires that people just live a life of longing. I want that, wish for that, I would love that, and they can't get there because they don't even see that they're the responsible person for the problem. If you don't see you're involved, then by definition, it's other people's problem, And, and, and it's interesting. I'm not a religious person. I'm far from that. But I am a spiritual person. I believe in the energy and I believe in that my identity is part of this field and all that. And and though I'm not a religious person, what I'm talking about is so summed up so beautifully in the last words of Jesus when he was on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I go you know it's interesting it's exactly the issue your life is run by the subconscious you're creating havoc and problems and yet you don't you don't know what you're doing you know and the idea is that's so forgive them they don't know what they do everybody else in this world like us has been programmed and goes through the same thing now if someone is a craphead you can be offended and and hate them the rest of their lives or you could step back and say, well, that person is potentially a good person, but their program sucked." Separating the program from the person is very, very important. That's forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So forgive a person who's crappy, because if they don't understand that they're even crappy because they don't see it, yelling and blaming them is like to them, it's like they make no sense. Why? In their mind, their their conscious mind, they're not that crappy person. Their behavior was crappy. So the disconnect is a real critical issue in trying to put things back together again. You want life to come back together? Then here's the point. Look at your life as a printout. Recognize all your struggles are not coming from the outside, but they're coming because you have an inherent program that prevents them from showing up. You can rewrite the program. Yes, how? Hypnosis, repetition, and here's the one I didn't add, energy psychology. Energy psychology. It's a new way of programming. The self-hypnosis with the tapes and the earphones and going to bed takes time. The repetition takes time. But energy psychology modalities, which are really new, are profoundly important because they invoke a state of super learning where you can download a new belief in about 10 minutes. I go 10 minutes. I go yeah, you could have a belief that's screwed up your life for 50 years and in 10 minutes rewrite the belief. Everyone says oh it's so hard to change your life. I go A program is like a program in a computer. I have a program in my computer for 10 years. I open up the Word document. I say, oh, I don't like this sentence. Erase it, rewrite the sentence, push save. Guess what? I don't care that it was in the computer for 10 years. It took only 10 seconds to change it. If I just put a program in yesterday, I can change it. Same 10 seconds, okay? So the idea is this. People believe, oh, that program is so deeply buried in there. I go, it's not. A, it's not deeply buried in anything. It's a program. It's a computer. If you can engage the learning process, it's just like reprogramming a computer. You can do it, but you can't reprogram the computer in front of a broken computer and then look into the screen and go, "Computer, fix yourself because this is not working right. Fix yourself." There's nobody in the machine to help you with that, and I go. Your issues are the computer, but we call the subconscious. And you can talk to it and you can yell at it, but I don't care. It's the same as yelling at a computer. It's not going to do anything. You have to manually go in and reprogram it. So the conclusion is beautiful, and the conclusion is this. I look at my life, find all the places that I'm having troubles because I have to make effort to make them happen, turn those into positive statements. So let's say I'm suffering with illness all the time. My positive statement is I am healthy. (laughs) <laughs> and then reprogram. Uh, you have loving relationships. A basic program might be, a, I am lovable. And put that in. Ten minutes of these programs, that becomes a behavior, and you walk away ten minutes later with a different program. And the beautiful part, this is the part, the conscious mind being conscious is what gave us the honeymoon. But when the conscious mind's busy, then you default to the old one. But now here's the simple thing. If you take all those negative programs that we just talked about and replace them with the positive version of that program, guess what? Whether your conscious mind is running the show or whether your subconscious mind is running the show, both of them take you to the same destination. So you can put in all the things that gave you the honeymoon, and once they're part of the program, you never even have to think about it. Your life will be a honeymoon for as long as you live because it's a habit playing from your subconscious program.
0: So, Bruce, just so for our viewers, uh, to create a radical shift in our life, it doesn't matter what area of your life, whether it's career, love, whatever that may be, it's a matter of when you were talking about energy psychology, it's a matter of focusing on a positive affirmation almost or whatever that is that you want to create or change and repeatedly say it for an amount of, say, 10 minutes and
1: you just say it all, all the time it comes, you can every time you can think about it, just like walking down the street, oh I'm a happy person or I'm this person, and you keep saying that to yourself. As many times as you say it, it's as fast as the subconscious will learn it because it doesn't learn just once I say I love myself. Subconscious didn't even hear that. <laughs> One of the subconscious gotta you keep repeating into the final, oh I hear it now, but you had to repeat it, okay? Mm. So uh, that's the big, the big effort is um, that, repeating it. Mm. Hypnosis, as I said, put the earphones yep. on, yep. or energy psychology. And on my website, which is really simple, brucelipton.com, I have resources uh, page in there where I think I have 20-plus uh, energy psychology modalities to select from. there's so many of them. Right. Uh, uh, and these are powerful. My life would not be the way it is today if I do not have access to some of those programs because otherwise I'd be spending all my time repetition, reprogramming and all that. Uh, and yet there were periods in my life where I just put in 10 minutes and boom, my life changed.
0: So what I'd love to know is uh, for, for, for you, you're always a very uplifting, happy person. Talk us through a day in the life of Dr. Lipton or Bruce, I should say, sorry. <laughs> What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning?
1: Well, besides that cup of coffee and a little sit in the hot tub, which brings uh, you know, life back into me again, uh, I start to recognize I, I have things that are you know, somewhat of a schedule of all these you know, lectures to give, things to write and stuff like that. But I can tell you this, I don't look at my life as so pre-programmed that it's very boring, which is like my earlier versions. Like I could tell you today, I say, Catherine, uh, I could tell you what I'm going to be doing on uh, January 11th at four o'clock, <laughs> you know, like months. I said, why? Because the way we live our lives, we program all these things, right? Then you're living your life as boring as hell because now it's like, oh, yeah, I already knew six months ago I was going to do this. This, is no, this. You lose the joy of things. I wake up with what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. Every day is a surprise. Whatever happens on the phone or someone connects me on the computer or I see something, I, I'm free to go ahead and do these things. If you lock yourself in the program, you've already limited your life because you said, I'm in a box, and, and I, uh, but my happiness might be outside the box. I say, yeah, but if you're living inside the box, you can't get to that happiness. So it's time to step out of the box and time to step out and say, look. I need to start satisfying my life because I've been satisfying the life that my program told me I needed to satisfy. I needed to make those people happy. I need to make those people happy. Where in the program was it I make myself happy? Oh, we usually didn't get that program because, oh, the, you're always thinking for yourself. You're not worried about the other people. They go like, yeah, well, I can you know, be involved with other people, but I also want to know myself. Am I happy? Am I doing something I want? And the idea was very critical. Oh, this is helpful. I, in my previous existence, <laughs> my life was run by rational thinking, okay? I, I do a rational thinking, and should I do this, and should I do this, and what, what was important to me? And it's like a calculation. And, and to give you an analogy, maybe, maybe you – most of us took an algebra course and you know those equations where they have like the square root and the square and x and the y's and the z's and you get a long equation and part of algebra where they start off with a long equation and they say okay reduce the size of the equation you know keep reducing it until you get a small equation right remember something like that yes i do yes so i say that was where you put the equation on the top of the page and every time you reduce it you go down 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 the, and so every time you reduce it this equation is smaller smaller and you get to the bottom and you get the answer. And I go this is really cool. You have to do each step, analyze each step and then carry it out and then do it to the next step. And I go here's a problem. If there's 10 steps between the start and the finish any error in one step this one step had to be wrong in one way the conclusion is wrong. You move the decimal point just, oh, you move it one space, the answer is not the same anymore. Okay? And I say, well, when we try to figure out our life, it's like figuring out that problem. We think about, okay, this fact, and then that fact, and this fact, and we try to say, well, if all these facts are right, then this is a conclusion. And I go, any one single fact that's not exactly right, any perception that's not exactly true, in making that decision will throw off the answer just as much as moving a decimal point in that other equation. So thinking answers out with rational thought, the only problem with it, it works, but the only problem is any slight error or misinterpretation of that one of those facts, the bottom line, the answer is not right, okay? Mm. And I say, well what other ways? And I go, heart. I go, what do you mean heart? I say, The heart doesn't do the details. The heart just reads the vibration. Is the vibration in harmony at the end, or is the vibration in disharmony? If it's in harmony, the heart goes, yeah, I'm open. I'm ready. If it's disharmony, the heart's like a little, I'm not sure. I'm edgy. I'm not going to go this way. So I said, when I have to make a decision in my life, the old way was to do the rational thinking and then come to a conclusion and say, I rationally, this is the thing I should do. Inevitably, i make mistakes and then find out when I follow through. It's not, well, it's not exactly what I wanted. I go, okay, wrong approach. The next approach is look at what the issue is and then feel it in your heart. Your heart will tell you the answer. It's right or wrong. It's only energy. If it's in harmony, that's where you want to go because the system knows that's where life comes from. Energy is life. The more energy you have, the more life you have. When things are not in harmony, they waste energy. So they threaten your existence. That's what not being in harmony is. You're not in harmony with life. You better be careful because you're losing your life. Why? Everything that's not in harmony takes away energy. Okay? So I say, you want to make a decision? There's two ways to do it. We always have relied on the rational way of doing it, looking at your history, looking at what you learned, so you can use that to project into the future. And I'm going... It works but it's flawed because one misinterpretation and the answer is not the same the heart doesn't care about the details the heart just cares about it at the end does this give me more energy or did it take away energy i say to myself what do you want to do i got a choice what do you want to do and the answer is simply this i want the one that i like that makes me happy i made the decision not by Thinking about all the details, I just said, my heart likes this one. (laughs) Following your heart is more productive in creating the life you want than following your rational thinking, because the rational thinking inevitably is flawed in some place. And so the result from step-by-step-by-step thinking doesn't really turn out to give you the exact answer. So... Very important for people out there. Yes, do the rational thinking. I don't say don't do that. Just come up with a conclusion. But then at the very final step, you ask yourself, is this what you really want to do? And the answer is not going to come from your head. It's going to come from your heart. And I trust that answer now after learning about my life, that I trust my heart over my head because I know my head is just doing calculations. And... You just throw an error in a calculation. The result is not going to be understood. And the heart just says, I just need the result. I don't care about the calculation. And Mm -hmm. that's So for those people out there, you're going to come to a decision, big decision about your life, and you're, should I do it? Should I not do it? And you got all the data and data and data. And I go, fine, stop the data at this moment. At the very end, say, is this what you really want to do? Does you feel better? Is it? Does it make your heart feel better, or or is there a little question? It's a little not sure. Mm -hmm. I go, if it's not sure, then don't do it. If it's sure and it says, yeah, that's the one I like, do it. Because whatever is in harmony with your heart, your biology will move to make it happen in your life. And that, to me, is a very important insight from the new biology, especially when we know now, for example, that our genetics is not controlled by the genes, Our genetics is controlled by our beliefs and our perceptions and therefore your health and the unfolding of your life, emotions and all that, are not genetically determined like people think they are, they're changeable at the moment because the genes respond to the environment and your perception, your belief about the environment. Change your belief and you can change your biology, you can be terminally cancer, like Anita Johnny and I, uh, I, the book, mine, you know, came back, Dying to Be Me, a fabulous book, says as soon as you change your belief, the world is gonna be different. And so therefore, don't change the world, just change the belief. The world changes after you change your belief.
0: Mm. And I, I love that piece uh, when you 're talking about changing the belief there 's so many different ways of doing it. And I love the the simplicity of it as well. but I think too by when you 're making statements, it is really important to believe them but to actually feel them and you know I used to always say that the heart or the love or the emotion uh, when you add the emotion into it is almost like the fuel that takes your new belief into that subconscious part of your mind it's it's saying affirming on a regular basis is yes it's great but what about when you've got that internal light dialogue or the inner critic that's going really Catherine are you trying to keep this is really not going to happen but you keep on saying keep on saying keep ignoring it but I feel that sometimes if I add I, I connect with my heart am I really feeling this do I really believe it yes Hell, yes, I do. And then I can actually move with it. But sometimes there's that interruption. of Because you're
1: listening to a feedback from the mind that's going to give you every reason why you can't have what you want. But that reason didn't come from your conscious mind. It came from the learning experiences that everyone taught you about you and how you fit into the world and what you can do and what you can't do. People told you that. And whatever they told you in the first seven years, that became a program. Oh, you're a sickly child. Well, that kid will be sickly the rest of their lives, Why? Because the program is, I'm a sickly child. What's the function of the mind? Take the program and make it real. So if it's a negative program, I have a negative reality. A positive program, I create a positive reality. And all of a sudden it said, well, what are your programs? And that's why I said, oh, well, just look at your life and Mm. you'll see those programs.
0: So true. So Bruce, I'd love to ask one more question because I see you as a spiritual scientist. So what are some day to day practices for our viewers if they want to ascend or return to that greater part of who they are?
1: I think at some point is to really know who you are in this story. You think, oh, I am this body. And I go, no, you're not this body. You're a broadcast coming into this body, a, a, a vibrational frequency. Uh, and, and each of us, uh, are, the cells have antennas on them that read this broadcast. No two people have the same set of antennas. So no two people are reading the exact same broadcast. We're each reading our own broadcast. And when you understand this, it says, wait a minute. This, this is the part that changed my life. The one, one you want to hear it? Right here. This yeah. is it when i realized that my identity was not my body that my identity was an energy vibration the first moment that happened because i was not a spiritual person i was a scientist with genes and molecules and that's it's mechanical right and then i'm studying the mechanism and with quantum physics go oh my god I, I am not this body. I am a signal, a broadcast being received by this body. It's like my body's like a television set and I'm playing the Bruce show. Okay. What is important about, let's say you're watching a television show and the television breaks. You say, oh, television's dead. Yeah, the show's gone. The question is, is the broadcast still there? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a new TV, plug it in, turn it on and tune it to the station and it's on the air again. <gasps> the body is like a television set. It's broadcast of an identity is running it. If the body dies, the broadcast is still there. And I say, well, how would I know? I say, well, another body shows up with the, the, the same antennas, receives the same station again, and they're back. But now the body's different. It's the television is different. Is it a male television or female television? No, that's not relevant. Is it a white television or a black television? No, that's not relevant. That's the television. You are not the television. So when I realized, A, I am not this, I am that. B, this physical body can come and go, but the broadcast is always there. All of a sudden said to me, no fear, because the biggest fear as children, the first big fear that a child will get is mortality. Oh, my God, people get, oh, my parents are going to die. I'm going to have no parents. And then a little older, I'm going to die. And everything we do after that is protect the valuable life that we have. And you don't realize how much of your unconscious energy is actually – Continuously observing the universe, analyzing everything that's out there, assessing where danger might come from, getting ready to keep you alive. And I say, what if you let go of the fear? When I did, which wasn't by intention, it was like, aha, the broadcast is being picked up. I'm the broadcast. I can't die. Oh, wait. I didn't even know I was carrying. Went, Phew. Why? The weight was all the effort unconsciously that we put into sustaining our lives, watching critical of every movement in the shadow, watching everything everywhere because you don't want to lose this life and it's so valuable that your mind is going to pay all the attention. I say, let go of it. And guess what happened? I got all this energy. Why? I was using it to do this other thing. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not. I don't like pain. But I'm not afraid of death. If it was like Bruce, okay, uh, you'll go to sleep and then you're gone. I go, okay. Because why? I'm not gone. I like all these people that have out of near body or near uh, out of body near death experiences. Every one of them has the same kind of story. You're still here, whether the brain's working or not. <laughs> it's like, well, if that's so, then stop being afraid. Because it's fear that prevents us from making those important steps. That can take us into the future. If I do this, I'll lose a lucid job. Oh, I won't be able to live. If I do this, these people won't like me. Oh, that will threaten my existence. If I do this, you keep looking before you do it to say, well, how will this affect my life? If I first thing I say, I'm not concerned. Why? Mm. I'm, I'm immortal. <laughs> I'll come back another body. It's okay. And time is not relevant. So all of a sudden you live free and fearless. Fearless. Fearless says, I'm going to do those things. Other people say, Bruce, you're a crazy man. I go, yeah. I I had a, a job at the university, which was tenured in university talk. That means a job for life. And I walked in and handed in a resignation. I quit the job. And people looked at me and said, what are you, crazy? You had a job for life. I go, yeah, but it wasn't the best job in the world. If I had to do that damn job my whole life, I don't think I'd enjoy my whole life. So, boom. And guess what? I jumped off the edge. No job. Mm. But here I am. I have a much better life than I ever would have had. If I stayed in that old thing, I'd probably be dead just from the stress of that job. And I'm living this most fabulous life because the fear part is not relevant. Mm. If things don't work out, there's always something that happens. I'm not alone. I'm not going to be. You will not find me as a homeless guy on the street. Why? I know too many people. <laughs> What's the point? I know so many people that help me if I need any help, but I, I never have to worry about anything. So why is that relevant? Because I'm not afraid of the future. If it doesn't work, there's always another place for me to go. It doesn't mean it's the end for too many people. <gasps> if that happens, it's the end and it is the end for them. And it's like, I have no end. I'm creating, I'll create something different. And I have several times in my life. So it's like, yeah, cool. Now that I have a lot of experience, it's even much more fun because I enjoy the creativity. I go where my heart wants me to go. I do the things my heart wants me to do. The harmony of all this is harmony that enhances my health. So no doctors. For what? Well, I don't remember when I had a doctor last, but I know it was before 1987, probably 19. 70s or something when I had a doctor, and I'm 72, no pharmaceutical drugs, no doctors, but a hell of a lot of exciting vitality because I know I am the creator. I know that if I don't like the creation, I can change my creation, and I'm free, and if you don't have that in your head, I'm sorry, then you're a victim of circumstances, and you'll feel that you'll never be able to escape. But when you know how the new biology works and the quantum physics behind that biology and the existence of an identity that's not even part of your body and the spirit, a field in physics, we call it a field. uh, It's like, wow, knowledge is power. You don't have knowledge of this. Forget it. You're a victim. and, And you'll just see that as your whole life. You have knowledge of what I'm talking about. You are a creator, you've always been a creator, but here's the opportunity to create what you want, not what the program you got gives you, and then you're free.
0: Bruce, you're one very inspirational human being. That's all I can say. I'm sitting here with goosebumps, just in awe of your presence and your wealth of knowledge, but just you put it in such a way, because you are a scientist by nature. And I have heard some of your lectures and just very uh, sometimes very hard to sort of really understand, but the way that you described everything today, it's it's so easy for everyone to apply. So thank you so very much for your time. I've just loved. Loved the interview.
1: Catherine, I want to thank you and I so appreciate your openness to listen to this stuff and then share it with your audience because we need everyone to wake up. And the very simple fact is why? And the answer is when people do wake up and they live the honeymoon, what is living the honeymoon? Heaven on earth. Yes. I go, Well, what if everybody woke up? And then I say, then the reality, which I think people are gonna find out and be totally surprised, you don't die and go to heaven. You're here right now. That's right. Why? this is where you create you're the one you're creating And if you want to create hell that's a choice but if you didn't know it was a choice then you just live in hell but once you understand what we've been talking about you mm-hmm. recognize that was a choice and you can change it you can change it just as fast as falling in love 24 hours later your life is different why the program stopped and if you understand that that should be the motivation that says I don't like this life, well, then, damn it, I'm going to put a new program in because I can have the one I want.
0: Mm. And that's a paradigm shift in itself by actually saying that this is heaven.
1: Yes. Absolutely,
0: because it's it's what you then make of it.
1: Absolutely, and you can make anything of it. So uh, from a guy who has at least two profoundly different lives, The life of the scientist, the person who believed in genes and molecules and machine and I'm just a robot. But now I recognize, yeah, well, I'm just a robot, but not controlled by genes. I'm a robot controlled by uh, an an energy source, a spirit, an identity. Mm. So I am manifesting an expression from my identity, not from genes. And if I don't like it, I can change it. And that is freedom.
0: Love it. Look at the passion. It's just coming through. It's easing through. I just love it. Thank you so, so very much. So much. I love you two bits. And um, I can't wait to to our tribe see and hear you. Thank you.
1: I am honoured to be with you. Thank you so very much, Catherine.
0: Thank you, Bruce. Take care. And I will be in touch. Thank you so much.
1: You bet. I appreciate it all. Thank you very, very much, darling.
0: Thank you. Bye. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on Share Show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on Follow Show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long-time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.